Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming from the Cat Cave in Warwick, Rhode Island. We've got a wonderful episode today with Rob, a music journalist. His work can be seen anywhere from local to national. Uh, since we've talked, he actually took out another job working for Alternative Press, which is pretty fucking cool. Um, Rob is just like, he's a legit music fan by all accounts. Um, this is the guy who has been eating, sleeping, drinking music 24-7, writing about it. Even during the pandemic, his interviews, uh, he's been just busting his ass. He's the reason I find so much new music. He's the reason I am I love his work. I find out a lot of stuff that's happening locally, a lot of stuff that's happened nationally. Um, you know, he, I love the people he interviews, uh, including the one time he interviewed me. So uh, thanks for that, Rob. That was really cool. Um, Rob was super nice and interviewed me for the, about this podcast and it ran in the Warwick Beacon, the Cranston Herald, and the Johnston Sunrise. And honestly, it was a big deal. Like I've I've had been fortunate to get some press. I've gotten into the Huffington Post for this podcast, which was really cool, and then Vulture and whatnot. But like, it's the local stuff that makes a huge impact. Like my numbers whoop right after that. So thanks to for Rob for that. Um, follow him on on all the social media: Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. Um, on Facebook, Rob is just Rob. I think it's a personal page, but I'm pretty sure you can just kind of follow on Facebook nowadays. But it's just um, really great stuff going on there. He's pretty active on Twitter. It's just Rob Duguay. We'll post all this stuff on our show notes. And um, quick little bit of housekeeping. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the bottom of my heart for anyone who came out or helped promote our... Uh, I just want to do a little housekeeping. Thank you to all those who came out last night for our very first event. We hosted a watch party with the website See a Lot, with the website See Live. We had an interactive watch party of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I got to see some great friends, make some new friends. I had so much fun. The producers had fun. On the, the team had fun. Everyone I talked to had fun. It is, I think, something we're definitely interested about. No, that is definitely something we're going to have to do again. We had so much fun. Uh, keep an eye on the feed. Uh, yes, yeah, so we're that was really exciting. We got some more big stuff coming up. Uh, you can always you know check us out online on all the social media. We officially launched a Patreon, which is just patreon.com slash let's chat pod. So we're gonna start doing more of that. We've been making our YouTube channel a little more active. We did some promotions leading up to the Spider-Verse event. You can watch some uh, videos or listen with we did one with Chuck and Brad from the Chuck and Brad podcast, uh, another one with Isaac from uh, formerly of Crack. That was really fun. And then one with uh, just me uh, myself, Chris Ball and Brianna, the producers. So that was really fun too. Our, our next episode will be out in a couple weeks, maybe even sooner if we can get our shit together. And we're going to introduce some changes to the podcast. We're going to have a little bit of a new format. We're going to start introducing the producers more as characters into the show. Going to have some new theme music by our good friend Anthony who plays in Folly. Um, we're really excited. So it, it's it's really exciting. There's um. It's nice to be hopeful and optimistic about some part of your life, which is something I hope everyone can have at least a little getaway. It's it's necessary. Uh, so anyway, follow Rob online, follow us online, all that good stuff. You y'all get it. But um, I would say for Rob, the best thing you could do is follow him on Medium. That would be linking to pretty much everything. So it's medium.com slash Rob Duguay. And um, let's get to it. So it's it's so funny. Um, I think we're relatively in the same uh, age range, but like, and we're both from Connecticut. But yeah. we, from from what I've learned from you uh, about you is that we both completely like missed each other in terms of music scenes. Like, I think I was really involved in Connecticut scene, and then you were. What you know? Let me ask you. What what's your time frame? So where in Connecticut are you from? I'm from Meriden. I'm from Shelton, Connecticut, Naugatuck Valley. Right between Bridgeport, New Haven area, near mm -hmm. Derby, near Seymour, near Ansonia. Um, that's where I grew up. Um, and yeah, I ended up in Ryland. Um, a lot of it has to do with, ever since I was a kid, um, I've spent summers here, part of my summers here, um, around July 4th. My cousins own 
um, three beach houses on by Scarborough Beach in Narragansett. It's one of the mm. oldest properties on the beach. So it's been the family for like over a hundred years. And um, every Fourth of July, we have a big cookout. So I've been coming to Rhode Island ever since I was a kid. Um, and then when I was a senior in high school, I knew I wanted to get into radio, and I knew I wanted to get into media. Um, originally, my first foray in journalism was writing from a high school paper, being a sports columnist. Um, yeah, that's 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 how I got into it, writing for Gale Wins at Shellen High School, um, being a sports columnist. Um, and so I knew I wanted to get into like being media. Like I knew like I wanted to be in radio and I wanted to write and I wanted to get into that field. Um, but I also knew that I, I, but part of me was like itching to get out of Connecticut. Um, part of me was really itching for it. Everyone, um, right? So we all are. I like, I remember like applying for, to Central Connecticut State University and in like New Britain, Connecticut and getting in and being like for like a week, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go there, you know, could be fun. And then like after that week, I was thinking, man, I would really like to get out of Connecticut. Um, and I started looking at Rhode Island College um, at my high school's career center where they had all the college applications. And my dad went to Rhode Island College. Um, I have had plenty of family that have either worked there, they still work there, they attended there. So I have a lot of family roots um, at the school. And so I decided to apply and I, and I ended up getting in, um, getting in. And that's how I started my life in Rhode Island. Um, I came to Rhode Island as a student in 2005. Um, I became a resident in 2007. Um, and I've lived here ever since. And I love it. It's great. Well, so you didn't go to any of the, you weren't involved in the Connecticut music scene at that time? Not at all. Even before no, then? I mean, I went, to, I went to Toads for a few shows. Yeah. You know, during a, during a time when I had a semester, when I took a semester off, um, you know, from college, I was back home in Connecticut. Um, but I never really got really involved in like stuff that was going on either New Haven or Hartford or New London. Never got involved with that. I think that you said you graduated high school 05. Yep. I graduated high school 02. So like I, I, the scenes, scenes and stuff like that and stuff, music scenes change. I'm trying to think like what's in that era of like 05. Like, I think I was still kind of involved in the Connecticut music scene, but it toad. So you, so you weren't like going to Manic, oh, you so you weren't going like Manic. I think Manic Productions was probably already pretty established by that point. Yeah, they were doing, I knew, I knew, I knew what was going on in Connecticut. I just never got into it, but I was keeping tabs. Like, yeah. I knew about Manic because they had a use of a venue in Milford, Connecticut called Daniel Street. I love that um, place. Yeah. And I went there to see Dinosaur Jr. one night and I signed and they had like these like little cards going around that had like the Manic Productions email and like the schedule, like what shows they were having coming up at their venue. And so I just took it and I signed up for a newsletter. I still get newsletter updates to this day. Um, but that's all I knew about them. Um, but yeah, like, but yeah, mo mo like that's probably the extent of me going to Connecticut shows is Daniel Street and going to Lupo, going to Toads oh, a few yeah. times, like one time to see Against Me and one time to see Ted Leo. Wow, nice. I, I love all of those bands. I saw Man Man at uh, Daniel Street. I think great band in Milford. Sick band. Really cool yeah. venue. It was, a, it was a really cool spot, like 200 capacity spot. Really nice. Right in the middle of like the nice part of Milford, like right by the harbor, which really? like is a really cool spot. Yeah. I remember, cause, yeah, I remember going and like, why is, I had never like been to Milford. And I was like, what the fuck? This place is beautiful. Why? Yeah, it's a really cool room. Got yeah, one of a really cool room. Yeah. I really like that place. Yeah, I um when I was in high school, so it was probably like 2000 or maybe I was out of high school, like 2002, 2003. I was like like a lot of kids in my in the scene. Like I tried to book shows. I wasn't very successful. I maybe only did a couple, but but one of them I did do was with um I booked a show. I I was right before Manic became Manic. I I, I was my friend like our group of friends was friends with a lot of the kids um like Flaming Tsunami, Skillamore Records, like those guys from Guilford area. Like mm -hmm. uh, so I like I booked a show with Mark right before we became Manic. So like Manic was like, he, I, I, man, I wonder how he's doing. It's been a while, but that's, that's crazy. Cause so, well, it's so funny too, because um, you kind of seem to go East where I eventually came here, but all of my whole life brought me uh, West. I always went to we, all of our, the scene that I fell into was uh, Connecticut, New Jersey, a little bit of Boston, Massachusetts, Western Mass, uh, a lot of big, big Jersey bands, a lot of New York, Jersey, 
stuff like that. But I have a complete blind spot for uh, the Rhode Island scene. Like I actually remember like um, our friends band, um, actually wearing their shirt, Folly, who I know we had, we, you knew who they were once, and, at the, and I got very excited. Yeah, I knew Folly, yeah. I have one of their albums on my iTunes. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, they're like, actually, yeah, I was just texting with some of those dudes today, uh, a couple of them today. And um, I remember, like, we would be in Connecticut, and we would drive pretty far to see them. Like, I remember, like, we'd, if they play, if they were playing in Providence, we'd be like, nah. Like, there were, there were times when we would drive to go see them at, like, All About Records in time. And, but, but that would be it. Like, we never came to Rhode Island. I don't know what it was. I had a complete blind spot to Providence. I think it just had, like, grown up where my part of Connecticut, like, Rhode Island was not well-respected or, like, I never heard of water fire. And I, I moved here in 2011. So I started visiting here in 2010. And so I grew up two hours away. I, like, I'm like, I, I, I love it here. And I, I find that, like, people like us, for everyone who um, moves to Rhode Island, loves it, and everyone who grows up here hates it. <laughs> I think it's kind of natural. That's kind of a natural thing, though. Um, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do where, like, I mean, maybe like my thing looking back at it, like when I moved here, was that like I really wanted to get out of my home state. I really mm-hmm. wanted to get out. Um, yeah. And I guarantee there's probably people that either regret not leaving their home state in Rhode Island or are younger than me and feeling that itch, and they don't know how to get it out, and they don't know where to go. Um, so I think it has something to do with that. Where like you know you're you're dealing with, you're seeing the same people, you're dealing with the same thing ever since you were a kid. So like oh, definitely, you know it could be like the repetition, the redundancy, you feel the redu- the redundant feeling of everything. Living where you grew up kind of can come into play with that maybe. So what pulls you into music? I know you mentioned you said you wanted to do like media. You already knew media from a young age, um, and also I have a, I don't know much about sports, so feel free to try to sprinkle in as much as you can. It's I, kind of it's kind of funny how I got started into it. I've always been a music fan. Like when I was a kid, I used to watch behind the music on VH1. I used Dude. to watch like Fuse when they had like yes. when they had like Julia hosting the metal show Uranium. Did you um, watch Steven on Steven's Untitled Rock Show? Yes, I did. He, um, he yep. 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 Watch that. Um, and like station. when MTV would have like, like they tried to bring it back Headbangers Ball, and it was like in an early, like, like early. It was not that great with Jimmy Josta, but at the same time, like growing up in the '90s, like getting to see all the music videos when they still did music videos in MTV was wicked cool. Um, so I've always been a fan of music, um, and also um, um, I grew up a big sports fan. Um, thankfully to my grandfather, a lot had a big effect on that because we would always watch games. And I'm still, a, I'm still a sports fan and a music fan. Um, and so, and so getting into music actually started in a really funny way. So joining up when I went to Rhode Island College, the radio station 90.7 WXIN, the only way to listen to it really in your car to get a really clear signal is you have to be on campus. If you're not on campus, you and you, you're better off listening to it online. Or you're gonna play the game, the famous, infamous radio game. If you're in range, you might be able to hear it in Smithfield, or you might be able to hear it in Warwick. It's a really faint <laughs> signal, but it's really like that's. I mean, college radio at its finest. Like, there's a really yeah. faint radio signal. You're lucky if you get it. And so, like knowing that, I knew that it was gonna be really tough to get like a listenership, and I didn't want to be a guy that was talking to myself for two hours about sports when when nobody was listening or nobody called. So I decided to do a music show. Um, a lot like I remember doing my first music show with this kid named Kevin, um, who's actually a former journalist at the Providence Journal. Now he's doing something else now, but he was doing something with the Projo for a while. And we did a show together. He left because he got really busy with school. And I ended up taking a slot over and did a show called Kicking Out the Jams. Then in 2008, I became the alternative rock director there at the station. And one of my duties as the alternative rock director was um being was booking our annual rock hunt our annual battle of the bands um mm-hmm. and i did that for three years straight 2008 to 2011 and it got me really involved with the local scene that way and also we were lo- like rick was rick is also a music school so we also had like music like kids in the music scene already going to college here so it was really it was really kind of made it easier to foster a community that way around the station yeah um and, and um that's how i got in. i kind of fell into it that way really because I felt more comfortable doing a music show than I did doing a sports show at a radio station that, you know, didn't really have a wide listenership because of college radio. Well, um, you also, you're like, 
at least if you're that part of your life, like like now the adult me, you're like, I want a career path. Let me find, all right, let's see, journalism. That seems stable. All right, let's go even more niche. Music and sports, the two easiest journalisms that people work in forever. Yeah. <laughs> but you do it, and that's what's so incredible. It's not as stable as you would think. Um, it's, I mean, no, I don't think it's stable honest. at all. I'm surprised that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, well in my unicorn. opinion, like in my opinion, like, you know, like media, especially is not the nine to five, unless you're going to do sales and media sales is a wicked hard job. And I never want wish that upon anybody because anybody can be do media sales. You're like pulling a rabbit out of a hat every time you talk to somebody. Um, and it's really, it's a really tough job. Um, and so I never wanted to do that. Thank God I never had to do that. But, um, but like, you know, I mean, there's a reason why I write for over 10 publications is because like, you know, a lot like freelancing is the way to go unless you can really land at a big market or at a big publication where either you would have to move to New York city or sometimes they'll have you work remote, even though that's, that's kind of growing these days, yeah. remote work with the current situation. But usually it's moved to a big market, giving it your best shot and see what happens. I know friends that did it and failed and then, but they still made out all right. And I have friends that are right now, you know, writing for entertainment week, entertainment monthly and, Entertainment Weekly, I mean, and Billboard. So it, it all depends um, well, how you make of it. But it's a lot of hard work. Um, you know, like, you know, like I've had my ups and downs in my career. I'm lucky now where my career is on an uptick and um, my career is going pretty smoothly these days. Um, if, and it feels good, but it wasn't always like that for me. Well, I mean, freelance fucking scares the shit out of me yeah i don't understand how you people people who like do it do it especially like it's a job for go-getters you have to yeah. really go out and get it that's the only way you can be if you can make if you have to go out and get something as a freelancer you really have to like kind of manage yourself a little bit you have to have some sort of discipline you can't like take a day off like like you know like i never really take a day off even on my days off quote unquote i'm still looking up something to interview to interview somebody or some information about an article it's like kind of a habit now um but yeah, I mean, as a freelancer, to really make it as a freelancer in anything, you have to take it upon yourself to really have some sort of work ethic, you know? No, yeah, just that self-discipline, just the, oh my God. Do you, do you have a lot of experience of having to chase people down to pay you? I know that's there's a lot of nightmare um, it, stories of that. Not as bad as it used to be with me. Um, I Again, like, like, like one of the reasons why I feel good about my career now is that I get paid on time. Where like I have people that actually like, responded to emails more often and are very like clear about when I should be expected to get paid. Or like if, if I haven't gotten paid after a certain amount of time and I hit them up, they'll actually like be sensible about it rather than like being like, how dare you? Um, mm -hmm. Like I've had to deal with in the past with some publications. Um, but you know, like luckily now where I'm at, it's a lot like easier. I would say, well, it's not easier. There's still a lot of hard work that goes into it, but when it comes to getting paid, I have more of a clear picture of when I can expect a check. You know yeah, I mean? no, I told you that whole thing, it gets easier and it gets harder simultaneously as you move up the ladder. Cause like, I'm sure like everyone, like you think like, all right, if I just need to make X amount of dollars and everything's a okay, but I'm a huge fan of um, Dak Shepard has a podcast called armchair expert. And like the okay. whole, the whole like premise of it is like you're rich, you're famous uh, and you're not happy. Why? Uh, so like, it's true. Like you, I, I do that too. I always like you pick a person or a thing, and when they get there, they're like, oh, they don't have to struggle. But wherever you are, you just it was oh no, you know, the, the struggle is always there. It's it all about how you manage it. Yeah, it comes with It's all about how you manage it with experience. Absolutely. Like, now, I mean, we're older now. We're doing things differently that we wouldn't do in our twenties. You know, twenties are probably certain situations that come in our way that ten years ago we would have handled it differently, for good or for worse. Um, yeah. But you know. It's all comes with experience, I think, when it comes to that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so it's like alt rock because I I look through like I see a lot of the interviews that you're doing in more recent times. And you kind of jump all around, which I think is really yeah. cool. Like, but what's your like? What's your kind of go-to music non-professionally? Like, uh, my like some of like favorite genres. Yeah. Not like I'm not in the like I'm on a journalist, but like when you're just like kicking back, like you said against me, like are you a punk kid? Did you come up in the punk world? I love I love punk rock and blues music. Um, nice. Last night I was listening to a, John, a bunch of John Lee Hooker, um, and um, and yeah, I, I've always been a fan of really good punk rock. Um, I love the Stooges. I love like seventies Ramones and old school Talking Heads. Um, I love Bad Religion. Um, 
against me is awesome. Yeah, I love that. like yeah, like um, but yeah, like I've also I'm a big jazz fan. I've really gotten the jazz for the past like five years. Um, nice. I like trip hop a lot. I love Massive Attack. What's trip um, hop? I, like Massive Attack? It, came, it originated in Bristol, England. If you know Portishead or groups like that, it's kind of like a jazzy. It's a mix between poetry, jazz, and electronica, all hmm. in all wrapped up into one. Um, Massive Attack and Portishead are like the two premier acts of that genre. There's also like Tricky, who's an artist. Um, yet you might know Tricky from The Fifth Element. He's okay. uh, he's he's Borg's right hand man in The Fifth Element. Um, okay. but he's also a trip hop artist. And there's still like there's some acts that are like there there's like newer acts that are kind of adopting that style in their own way. But I'm a big fan of that stuff. Um, I love old school hip hop. I love yeah. like Rakim. I love Tribe Called Quest. I love Gangstar. Um, I love Aesop Rock. I love Sage Francis. I love all that stuff. I guess Atmosphere? Um, atmosphere is awesome. Slug, I've interviewed Slug. Slug twice, and he's the yeah. man. That guy's great. Yeah, wicked nice dude. I know um, little pockets of uh, underground hip-hop. I had like, some friends from Oakland who were, in, like, were very into the scene of that like underground hip-hop scene of that yeah, it's era. It's so, so good. I don't it's know like, a ton about it. No, it's great. It's it, I highly suggest diving into it and just looking for records and doing some Wikipedia searches. Um, but yeah, I mean, I try to have a, as a journalist, I try to have a very diverse, like, you know, music taste because like, because first off, it helps me out. I don't like to be put myself in a box as a writer. I like to be able to talk to like different types of artists, different types of people um, rather than like saying, oh, I'm only going to interview punk bands. Oh, I'm only going to talk, review blues records. Like that, I don't think that really makes the profession worthwhile in my opinion. You have to really, get outside the box, listen to new stuff that you're not really used to. This, like, don't, be, don't be afraid to get something like, like experience a new, new style of music that you're not really that familiar with. Um, so that's what I think helps. But I mean, like, if you t if, I'll show you my, if you could, if you were up at my apartment and I would show you my iTunes library, you'd be like, I have everything from like Led Zeppelin to, to like Mary J. Blige to like some like band from Lithuania. Like so, no. I think that's fun because that's the worst thing when people get old and jaded and like they just start like I one of them, I won't I won't call they will never hear this but I have a, one of my really good friends is like one of those good human being overall but like uh you know no movies are good after 1989 like one of those people yeah. just get completely shut off and like yeah I mean I still definitely feel feel like I feel guilty to like only listen to the same music for the last like 10 years like a, a new band to me is like 10 years old like i yeah, know i mean I you know but there's like nostalgia for youth that comes with that too in music like you know yeah. a lot of people music listen to music to be nostalgic to get back to to reminisce about their youth when they had a lot more exciting things going on in their life and there's nothing yeah. bad about that there's no, nothing absolutely. bad about that at all but, but you know but like your interviews like because sometimes like you'll interview someone like 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 i'll share like oh my dad loves richard Chindell. this is crazy yeah. And then you'll interview like um, uh, you you had interviewed Greg Proops and I was like oh my fucking god I was so jealous and that show got canceled. Yeah, I got canceled. I might still write it though. Um, I hope I'll I let you know about that. that. If yeah. I had the time, because like I have like all these old interviews because of the pandemic that are just sitting around in my computer. Um, so I might do like a lost interview series from Medium just because of past the time. If I have time to do it, I'll do it. I've been I'm thinking sure about it. I might it. do it some. I might do it the big. I might do it after Fourth of July, but don't guarantee on that. Yeah, no guarantee. And or you could just hire some if you really got to that point in your life. You could, when you get like, my dream is to get to the point where I have that cool idea and be like, and I'm gonna pay someone else to do it. Like do the transcripts. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. That's my, I like, like that's one thing that's like kind of the bane of the music journalism existence is transcribing interviews. That's always gonna be the bane of my job. Um, yep. Which you know, I mean, the best feelings and the best feelings after you're done doing it, after you're done transcribing a piece and you're done, it's like a big weight off your shoulders. But it's when you're getting into it, it could be such a pain, especially when the recording's awful. I've had to do some where like the recording is not so good, and it's it, it could be such a pain where you have to listen to the recording five times straight just to make sure you got something right, <laughs> a quote right. Um, I, yeah. And then even just the idea, I'll get, I mean, I've, I've experienced this too, like just getting used to your own voice. Like, is yeah. there people here? Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Now, you did say something earlier that I cannot ignore, because um, it's something I don't get to talk about nearly enough, is you said behind the music. I was, 
obsessed with that, with Behind the Music. Because, you know, remember, there was a, a, a window where it was MTV News and VH1 yep. had some of the most incredible, like, journalistic um, series. And there was, oh, a, yeah. there was, like, a golden age. Like, remember they had Biorhythm, which is a show mm-hmm. that was, like, a documentary series. It was only told through yep. music, but there was no words. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, being a kid watching the Biggie one, and it, like, destroyed, it, like, made me cry. And I was, like, a young man, be like... It was beautiful, and then there was there was like an era, and then like behind the music left, and then it came back, and they got really shitty. But there was yeah. like the, the early ones were all like the metal bands. They were all the original the ones were awesome. Like the Motley Crue one, yeah, the Motley yep. the Crue one's insane. The Metallica one's insane. Wow. Um, this because yes. yeah, the Metallica one's insane. Um, the Chili Peppers one is pretty crazy because they're really, really getting into the hit. Because they get really get into the heroin, the heroin addiction that the whole band really, really suffered from, and how John Frusciante nearly died. Um, like they don't joke about that. Like during the one hot minute recording sessions, when he got kicked out of the band, he was nearly gonna die that year in '95. Yeah. Um, and and he finally cleaned himself back up. Like they show like the one thing about that series is that they have the footage they had, like. I don't know how they convinced some of the musicians to like let that stuff be shown because like, like the job Shante one, one thing I'll never forget is when they show a video of John Shante all like withered away and like mm-hmm. half himself in the mid nineties, completely suffering from withdrawal from drugs. And, but he looks so sick. It looks, he's about to die in a week. And yeah. then now you see him now healthy and, He's positive as hell, and he's rejoined the Red Hot Chili Peppers again, which is great. Um, but, like, the content they've had, it just makes you wonder, like, man, how were they able to pass that by the musicians saying, hey, it's a cool we air this? Like, like you know, yeah. I mean, I get, like, trying to get, like, the really hard scoop of man. Some of the stuff they had was, like, will stick in your head, you know? Well, I mean, at least I, can, I can't speak for him. My guess for John Prashanti or anyone who, at least, who's in recovery. So I'm, I'm a drug counselor, so I work with people in recovery. And I think it's one of the most beautiful things and the gifts that people get from when they when they join recovery from, like, drugs and or alcohol is, like, there's um, uh, there just becomes this, like, comfort and openness to, like, it's it's the reason that we talk about this in every se- IOP session I run. It's the reason that uh, Richard Pryor's 1979 Live in the Sunshine Trip is the funniest thing in the world because he's telling you the darkest parts of his soul mm-hmm. but he doesn't have any shame anymore because you know what i mean because recovery yeah. is like a lot of like only he's done you know recovery is doing the inner work so i'm sure for sure Shanti, it's the same thing it's just like that it, it's one of, it's the greatest thing of like when you go through recovery you come out on the other side and uh it's and also you know richard Pryor being the greatest community to ever live but yeah, yeah I, I remember a lot of that the tlc one was one of my favorites that was a good one too yeah and then like when it came back, it sucked because it was like Jessica Simpson, but she had one album out, so she didn't have a story. Though hers was no. weird. I actually take that back. Hers was weird. Did you ever watch that one? That was like her dad. No, I heard that. I didn't see that one. I don't know why, but there was like the scene that it came like viral for that era. Where there was a scene her like, dad like, was a creep, though. Her dad like, was a total creep. I remember. Th- I remember. Like, in that, that it's probably you might have even seen this clip, but there's like a scene of him like talking about her breast when she's like 16, and it's so yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. It's so weird. Billy Vanilli, that was a good one, obviously. Oh, yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, that one's was, good. But yeah, I, same here. I was obsessed. And then VH1 had another series that used to do this thing called, like, they had a couple. There was, like, And You Don't Stop, 30 Years of Hip Hop. They had one called The Drug Years. That was really good. Yeah, the 30 Years of Hip Hop one. I remember seeing watching that. That was really good. And even as not, like, a, a, I like hip hop, but I wasn't, like, someone who was, like, knew a ton of it. But it was, like, most of my knowledge for certain eras of music is all from those eras of like MTV and, and, and understandably MTV changed. They even, had, they even had a documentary series about the history of rock and they, and it was all from a British BBC series that they put Ooh. towards VH1. Um, and it examines like British indie rock with the Smiths and like bands like that. But they also talk about the British invasion. They talk about seventies punk. Um, they talk about like Nirvana in the nineties. Um, and, but that was a, from a British series. I guarantee you can find this on YouTube, I'd like um, to find but that. look at like the history of rock vh1 or bbc you can find it i guarantee they probably american they put in it because there's an american version and a british version but like the content's like identical the um uh i lost my train of thought my apologies no well it's gone forever yeah i I would love to find that i would really really like to find that oh that's what it was there was um vh1 did you ever remember they did they used to do the special with like the 100 greatest rock bands 
of all oh, time. Yeah. And Fugazi, one, yeah. Fugazi was on there. I remember like watching it. TSO, uh, yeah, like you also had like TSOL on there, which is a great old school LA's punk band, yeah. still around today. MC5 was on that list. They oh, really like. Right. Yeah, they yeah, really had like a lot of like rock bands to like spanning all eras of music. And Led Zeppelin, I think they made it the number one. But yeah. I think that's fair. Um, when I get in like certain moods, like, you know, when things are tough or whatever, I, I find I watch certain things like in weird habits on YouTube. And one of the things when things get overwhelming and stressful in life, I watch the Beach Boys isolated tracks of God Only Knows What. I start with that YouTube video and I just go on a rabbit hole of uh, isolated tracks on YouTube. Um, okay. Gonna, do you have those kind of hobbies as well as a fellow music nerd? Do you ever go um, watch the uh, bitch, for, bitch Fig talking about the recording and Nevermind when he just does the solo vocal stuff? I haven't done that. No, isolated tracks I've done a couple of. I listen to a few because... Like if you listen to like the one that Marvin Gaye, the one like ones of Marvin Gaye or ones of mm -hmm. Sam Cooke, like all the old soul singers, oh it God. really can be blo mind blowing, because like tell. how like the range is. But then, but also there's also the other side of that, where you can listen to David Lee Roth from Van Halen and like doing Running with the Devil, and it'll make you laugh all day because you realize how much of a freaking drugged out ma maniac he was back in the '80s. Um, but, Smash uh, Mouth, but, um, that's a funny one because he's like not a good singer. Like you could really yeah, tell no, he's not, not a good all. singer. Yeah, no, yeah, he, yeah. I can, I, I would never have listened to that one, but I can only imagine how bad it is. Hey now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I have to ask your stance. Now this might get you into some uh, trouble within our in the culture, but uh, what's your stance on new metal? New metal. Um, well, I think what like do you count Incubus and Deftones as new metal? Yeah. Okay, then that's probably and there's a few of the bands like from that, like do you count Rage? Do you count Rage Against the Machine to be new metal? Well, I don't know. That's a tough one. They started before that craze happened too, but I don't know how they feel. Like I don't know how they feel about influencing Limp Biscuit. You know, yeah. I've always wondered how they felt about that. Um, I have a theory I want to test on you. It's like um, low key. I think new metal led a lot of people into punk rock because it's. How I ended up finding punk rock was from my new metal friends, like unintentionally, okay. but like that was not everyone starts with their Ramones records. Sometimes you gotta listen to like Green Day or something first. But like, yeah, with me it was the Ramones. Um, that's what, like the first band, cause, all because I knew about I want to be sedated ever since I was a kid. And my cool. mom, whenever I sang it, my mom was like, "Don't sing that. You don't know what it means." <laughs> um, and then like Green Day, Dookie came out, and that was a big record. Um, growing up as a kid in the 90s. Um, and also, like, Weezer, kind of. You could probably put it in there. It's like, that's another gateway band for a lot of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nirvana. Also, like, I was a, I'm a child of the grunge era. You know, I love yeah. all those bands. But, yeah, so uh, I take it all back for, like, my, like I low-key, new metal kind of low-key backwards me into that world unintentionally. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, at one point, I was really into a band called Head PE, which is like a rap. rap oh yeah, band. I know that band. Yeah. There's some. I. I the, my stance is that there is some good new metal out there, but a lot of it's garbage. Yeah, a lot of it's horrible. Um, I, but yeah, it's, well, it's like everything, especially these days. Um, like I knew Johnny Marr from the Smiths one time, oh and I God. talked to him. Bury the lead. Yeah, and I talked to him about. Um, I talked to him about like this era of music. Like him starting out in the '80s, being influenced by punk rock, and now we're like he kind of is like the elder of the music community, and um in Britain, and like how like everything's at your fingertips of music. You can go on Spotify and find anything, um, or you can go on YouTube and find anything. Yeah, Apple yeah. Music, you can find anything. Everything's at your fingertips. So there's no like classified hip genre anymore. Um, it's pretty much like whatever you want. We have the endless marketplace, but there's positives and negatives with that. Positives are that if you're an up-and-coming band, you don't need a label to put out your music with. You don't need a publicist. You don't need all the stuff that you used to have in the music industry. You can just, you know, get a garage, get get your garage band program together on your iMac, and get hook 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 up your instruments and start recording. And you put out a demo track, you know, and it'll help you get some shows or whatever, or people will see your band. Um, but the negative is that there's so much crap out there. That there's so much crap 
and it's so and if you have the money you can promote your crap on facebook and whatever they don't care they're getting the money so like whatever i'm really seeing like i'm really seeing one ad for this guy from florida of course from florida um and um it was a guy advertising on you on facebook about how he he remixed a rob zombie song and it was like this huge ad it was like every it was like i was up for like six months and i saw this ad for six months straight and i was saying like who the hell is gonna click on that and give a crap about, give a crap about this guy's remix and why they spend all this money on that that's a good example of waiting through the crap that we have mm. when it comes to music because if you really want to find what you're listening to, like I have an advantage, I have record labels and PR firms sending me music every week. So I have an advantage where like I can pick and choose what I want to listen to and write about and, you know, enjoy and hear stuff that other people are not really hearing. And, but, but the, the, for the regular Joe Schmo is trying to get into music, you really have to look, you really have to look, you, um, especially with the way the radio is now, like music radio is just regurgitating hits. It's not really showing. Um, so you really have to take it upon yourself to really do some surfing on the web and do some diving in either on Spotify or whatever. And depending on your shuffle, whatever, you know, to really get some, really get some new fresh stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. One, one thing we started, uh, one of my producer buddies, uh, Chris, the other, there's another, there's me and Chris Ball. We started doing this thing for like when we had uh, musicians on, uh, actually, we'll probably do the same for you. We have, like we make a playlist. On Sp- I'm a huge Spotify playlist fan, and and right. like, so, so like if we have like a musician on, then as a because the same thing you're right because you really do need to find like a person or a, a, a niche because you just can you can't just go into Spotify and be like trumpets and like listen to trumpet music anymore. No. Um, but back to what you're saying about that guy who put all that money to that Facebook ad, which is hilarious. Um, I the music industry has always been something I've always been perplexed by, especially as we got to watch it's you know, has it crumbled in front of us and then kind of rebuilt. But like, I remember even going to like the Webster in Hartford and being at like these concerts and like, it would be this huge radio promoted thing and like all this stuff and all these bands. And then you get there and there's like three people. Yeah. I've definitely seen like those radio rock bands. Like, um, yeah, it's always been seen that the whole industry seems to have always been a bit of smoke and mirrors. So I'm glad to see that's never changed. But um, yeah. One thing about today's music, uh, which is I'm really interested in, one, one of the many reasons I'm so excited to talk to you is um, I heard the, kind of this idea, but now it's like music has kind of become like genreless. Like I'm listening, I was listening to like Post Malone and I'm like, I don't even know. how. It's like kind of rap, it's kind of emo, it's kind of EDM. And um, my my three-year-old loves that song Circles. So okay. say what you will about that. And then, then like, I'm like, you know, I kind of want to like, Part of me like must be like ah these damn kids, but then I go on YouTube and I'm watching him doing like a quarantine cover set with Travis Barker of Nirvana, and he's yeah. killing it. And I honestly makes me kind of I I like it being genreless on a personal level. I'm curious if the, your your thoughts if that makes your job harder when you're like oh, um, here's- I, don't think it, I don't think it makes my job harder, um, but um, like I I mean I like it. I mean as a person like. I mean, as a as a person, like as a, I, I'll tell you right now, I can't stand the genre classification. Mm-hmm. It's a double edged sword in the yeah. highest degree, because like it's like you, I mean, like when you like it just gets silly after a while. Like, look at metal music now. How many subgenres are in metal music? And you can go on Wikipedia. You can find like two hundred subgenres. I mean, and then you have people come up with names like crabcore and stuff like that where you don't really know what the hell it is and do you really want to know what the hell it is and like you have like all these different names for music for styles of music and as a writer like i have to use these names in an article to describe what i'm writing about because especially to the casual fan or else you're not gonna have any idea um so it's but like some of these class some of these genre names can be really absurd um and that's why i can't stand it because sometimes i just gotta laugh because I mean, when I hear like crabcore or when I hear like you know like funk crunk or whatever like oh god or yeah. future or future wave like mm-hmm. what the hell does that mean you know you know like and, and and it's all like just a similar sound to what you've heard before just with different tones and structures um that's really all it is but um you know 
but it's that, that so when it comes to like the genreless movement i guess i don't mind it um i like i've always been a fan of when musicians fuse styles together to create something original i've always been a fan of that um so um you know so uh so when it comes to that i'm i'm i don't mind it one bit yeah it, i mean I'm, I'm wearing a folly shirt right now they're a hardcore metal ska band like yeah I do, or i mean if we have six hours we could debate the emo term if you like you know oh, like t- talking about that you know like I, I well then you're getting the de- then you're getting certain eras of emo and there's like uh, you, you can write a book on it um you know someone has. You write, yeah because that's a very complex name in itself because you're going because that's like one of the names of like it's it's like alternative rock because alternative rock you have to go by eras yep emo you have to go by eras you know, with emo, are we talking about like the '90s when you had like Jawbreaker and Sunday Real Estate, or are you talking about the 2000s when everything went poppy? When you had like Fall Out Boy and when you had bands like that. So like, so or what are you going like, or are you going to the new the new stuff? Whereas like bands like Basement from the UK, or like or um you know or any other bands like a bunch of emo bands that are around. Like I was I was listening to a band today that's that's coming out has a record coming out on on uh, Friday called Remo Drive. They consider themselves an emo band. They're on Atlas Half Records. Um, and they put out their a new record on Friday. Um, so, for example, like you know, I mean, you know, but you know, so this like alternative rock has eras. You know, alternative rock started in because uh, of college radio in the '80s, and then you had Nirvana really blow it up, and and then you have also bands like Sonic Youth that are in that genre, and now you have a lot of alternative rock bands using electronics where they become more of a new wave influence and more of a post-punk influence, but they're still considered to be alternative rock. Um, so, so you know, you have to go by eras of that. You know what I mean? Have you been to the website, isthisbandemo.com? No, about to look it up after this. <laughs> uh, Tom Mullen, who's like, I guess the unofficial, well, I guess official like emo fighting for the, the genre. He's, um, he has like it's a blog and a podcast. It's called Washed Up Emo. Um, it's really great. Okay. He's fight, he was on here a long time ago. The good good guy, but he he actually he started the Emo Nights in New York City. Then there was like a whole lawsuit with another one tried to copyright it. But he he he's like a genuine like he worked for like he works for, he worked for labels and stuff like that. Like you know, okay, Washed Up Emo is his hobby, but like by profession, I think when I talked to him it was a few years ago, he's working for Sony. But he had worked for like Epitaph and all that stuff. But it, oh, well, I remember. But the interesting, because he's like really trying to reclaim that term because it got such a bad word. Because like when you say emo, most people want to go to make fun of like you're talking Mike Hem and Fallout Boy, but like people yeah. who are like from the emo world, like that was like ten years, fifteen years after the later fact. Like some people will be like, I mean, you can go forever, but like nothing's emo after Rights of Spring or Sunny Day Real Estate yeah. or whatever. Like I mean, I personally grew up in the screamo area, which I fucking I love. I'm a fanatic of that stuff. Uh, but so I know it's it's funny. I I always say it's um ska and emo are the two genres that are the most misunderstood. Yeah, I can see that. Ska is making a really cool comeback, which is great. I um, love ska because they're bringing like you have bands like the Skints from the UK and the Interrupters, like kind of like bringing like the Interrupters has more of a '90s style from like the '90s California vibe going on. Where the Skints, they're like they're like melding like hardcore punk with straight up reggae and R&B and it's awesome. What are they called? And so it's really, the Skits, they're from the UK. They're from the United Kingdom. Yeah, the Skits, they're awesome. They're great. Um, she got their record, Swimming Lessons, that came out a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's really good stuff. But yeah, like you have, that's really cool to see. It's really interesting to see like the specials put out their first record last year in over like 30 years. So like, hey, did you know about that? No, I did not know. No, that oh man, it's wicked good. It's wicked good. Um, but yeah, it's like it's nice to see that genre coming back in a really serious sense, rather than being like kind of a parody of itself. You know, and you must be familiar with the the site, the Hard Times. Yeah, they I did love that ska, site. Uh, It's one of my favorites. Yeah, they did Ska Week. Never seen that. What was that? I don't know what it was, but they'll do like every so often they'll make a theme. But they did like a week. It was like Ska Week. Um, okay. Sometime last year, but like, but it was just great to see like a, a bunch of like hard times Ska articles. And That's good. I got yeah, to, I'll have to check that out. Because one of my favorite ones, which which was um, it was like opinion Streetlight Manifesto is in Ska. They're good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which which I got to read that headline to uh, Pete from Streetlight to be like. 
just to bring everything full circle. I was like, yeah. That's good. That's good. Streetlight Manifesto being like definitely one of my favorite bands. Definitely. Oh, awesome band. I've got to see them like three times. I love them. I think they're one of the few bands, like there's a few bands or TV shows or just artists, I guess you call like musicians, musicians, like so many different types of people love Streetlight Manifesto. People who've never heard ska, people who love metal, people like they're like one of those bands they pull they pull from from everywhere like it yeah. makes no sense yeah the, the, the one thing i love about them is how rhythmically tight they are every song has so much going on and it's such a succinct structure that like everything's like like everything's like you know like really rapid but at the same time it gets right to the point and sometimes will and it, there's a lot of energy in their music which i love Oh yeah, and then because uh, um, I talked to Pete, the bassist, he, which it kind of blew my mind. He like wasn't a ska kid. He wasn't a scene kid. He was a jazz guy. He kind of yeah. But then that kind of made sense to me. I was like, like a lot of the band, they weren't like ska scene kids. They were just musicians. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, that makes sense. You like I've, I've heard like Dave McWayne talk a lot, like in interviews from Big D is another band I love. It was just like we just play music. This is the label, like which I kind of I get that. And then as you get older, you kind of see the. Fucking fireworks, um, the the true the true believers, if you will. Yeah. Oh, that that's so so funny. Um. So what what man, what uh what what do what, what publications do you write for at this point? Like I um, mean, God, a billion? Well, <laughs> not, not a billion. Um, I'll say the major ones I'm writing for right now um are um are the Providence Journal. I actually have a, a article coming out this Sunday about my it's like my farewell swan song article to all to the summer music festival season i never was this year yeah. um because well, it's kind of a downer but i rather that figured i would get it justice i'll send you a link when it's up it'll be in the paper on sunday um oh, i write you. for uh i write for dig boston i'm writing for them a lot lately i've been um like i actually have an interview that i did with tim carmen it's on the website today um it's uh it's uh he's a drummer in two bands ga20 which is a really great blues trio um, and uh, his own band is a jazz funk band called uh, Tim Carmen and the Street 45s. And um, the Street 45s recorded an album called Live at State Park in a really cool spot in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And the live show they did it at, did the recording at, was right before the pandemic hit. And it came out last month. So we talked uh-huh. about that in our interview. Um, but yeah, they've been great. Dig Boston, they're great to write for. Uh, shout out to Chris Ferrone, great people. Um, and um, yeah, I'm writing for them. New Noise Magazine is uh, the national publication I write for. Um, I just interviewed uh, the, this guy, Jason Williamson, from a band called Sleaford Mods. Um, they're, uh, they're like this minimalist post-punk duo. They're, in my opinion, probably the most important band in the United Kingdom because they talk about working class struggle and they talk about how crappy politics are in the United Kingdom. And but they talk about like they talk. There's they write songs about trying to get a job, you know how tough it's to get a job in the UK, like stuff like that. Really working class like struggle music that a lot of people can relate to. Um, but I also write for the Independent every week, which is a, a paper based in South County, Rhode Island. Um, I write for the Warwick the Warwick Beacon where you live in Warwick. Um, they, yeah, and my they're owned by Beacon Communications, um, which also owns the Cranston Herald and the Johnson Sunrise, and I write for them weekly. And every all my work gets syndicated. My my work for the Beacon gets syndicated between those three papers: the Sunrise, the Herald, and and uh, the Work Beacon. Um, yeah, like yeah, like I've been writing for like the Newport Daily News. Um, you know, like I've also written for like the Worcester Telegram and Gazette, but ever since like the the uh, the pandemic kind of um, the pandemic, um, you know, you know, is like really set in in March. I haven't written for them that much, but I'm pretty sure when live music starts up again, I'll be writing for them again. Um, but yeah, I yeah, like so that's it. I know it's kind of a partial list. I got some more. I know I write. Do you, for, um, yeah. do you still write for the Aquarium? No, I stopped with them. Yeah, I had I, I stopped with them at the beginning at the beginning of the year. Yeah, that's awesome. It's funny because like. Um, in theory, we're just going to do this in person because that's usually how it goes. But like, you're someone I was like, oh, this is, you're like a person, like a journalist I would just want to talk to. And then you happen to live here. And it's just funny how it all worked out. Like, oh, well, back to Zoom, which it's fine. It's just, it's just in person's always just so much more fun because I've talked to some of the people. Situation, you know, social distancing. It's just so funny. But like, 
because like I have like a level when I'm like, with guests like if I'm like all right well you know for like whatever reason like I'm always if it's in person I'm like I will like jump through hoops like well I don't have to have much to promote just I want to talk to them but I was like oh Rob's one of those few people who's like they're local and I would talk to them if they lived in California because like you like collect the same shit um so let me just I just want to check the phone um so one uh one of the things i wanted to ask you about uh, i, I was, was noticing on like uh, i noticed that we kind of have the similarities like I, I the whole time i from the second i met you the the, when we, the first time i met the what's your writers club i got that feeling like i feel like i know you from somewhere i don't know i'm guessing we don't i've looked at our facebooks and we don't have any okay. friends like I, do you ever get that sense like i feel like i know you from somewhere and we're from yeah there's i mean it's we're in rhode island you'll get that you know, yeah. in Rhode Island, you'll definitely get that. Yeah, you know? yeah, I could definitely see that. But like one of the other things I saw, I was like, oh, and then I saw you in Connecticut. I'm like, oh man, we both like last name, but probably got a lot in common. But then like I've been, I've been noticing you posting stuff. Um, uh, so we both have had like a lot of loss in our life. Uh, I, I know you were, you're very, you were like, you were talking about it on Facebook or something, which is really, I thought it was really awesome of you. And um, I one thing I noticed was like. Um, so the short version for me is like I grew up with a heart condition and then I went to like this these summer camps for kids with heart conditions and I like we lost a lot of my friends growing up but you know, stuff you don't think is weird until you get older about like loss yeah. and stuff. But um maybe it's from just female, but the, the biggest connection I had with all of those friends and all the friends I had was like music was always my way into like everything. Like if I need to be happy, I need to be sad. I'm going like when my, my grandmother passed away uh, last year. I like remember like I made a playlist to like listen to at night in the hotel room like like music I find it so much more to me because of like the processing and, and what it can do for me like I mean the night after I couldn't sleep after my grandma's funeral I remember like sleeping in a hotel with my wife and our daughter who's like in a pack it's a great life. healer yeah I, it, yeah it really is and for some reason I got hooked on Bruce Springsteen Atlantic City and then awesome. um, the national not the national um I forget. There's a another band does a cover of it with like with horns. Uh, Are you talking about Hold Steady? Yes, thank you. I confused yeah. those two. And um, so I'm wondering too, like, do, like uh, this is stuff I've learned from like as I go, gotten older and uh, a, quite a therapy person. Have you found that there's like that has that aspect of you too? Like, there's just certain records that like remind me of like my dad. Oh my yeah. Mom, and like, oh yeah, that holds so much in my heart of it is like the connection. Like my dad. Like my dad, um, my dad before I before he passed away when I was fourteen, he gave me a he gave me pretty much a bunch of his vinyl records. Oh, um, no. and he was a big fan of Boston, and that debut record, as a lot of people oh, know, the, the band like, Boston. Yeah, yeah, and their debut self-titled record is like you know one of the greatest classic rock records ever. And whenever I hear a song off that record, I think of my dad. You know, um, yeah, yeah I mean, you know, like music definitely has that power to heal especially oh. with your emotions. Um, like my mom, she passed away in 2007. And one record I'll always make me think of her is Deja Vu, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, um, mm -hmm. that has like Woodstock on it. And it has uh, like Teach Your Children Well. And, mm -hmm. what, um, you know, and, and songs like those songs. And so, like, definitely, ha yeah, I definitely have that relationship too with a few records like that. Yeah. Whenever yeah. I hear James Taylor, I think of my mom. She yep. loved James Taylor. And sometimes too, like, they don't, my, my memory, they don't make sense. Like, there's, um, if I hear um, Coheed and Cambria's favorite house, Atlantic, my, it reminds me of my friend Ken, who, um, you know, he, he took his life a few years back. And, like, there's just, it's just stuff like that. It just, like, I, and sometimes if I, like, really, like, like, especially like, a, like live music like there's those moments where it's like the closest to a, i don't know if you get like real off into woo woo world i guess you call it like astro production or like tra yeah. time travel but like there's moments like i've been at concerts or just been listening to something and just like so in it and like it there's it it's I, it's you know I'm, I'm not someone who's done hallucinogenics but i imagine that this is the closest i'm going to get to it it's <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that but yeah like i remember what or and Man, I remember my wife and I saw like fun at Lupo's and Nate came out and did um the gambler and just like I'm just oh, like I it's just an experience I just I guess now I'm just getting sad about the fact that we probably won't be seeing a live concert that way for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I'm being optimistic about that whole thing. I think oh, yeah. well if you look if you look at Rhode Island and look at our numbers, they're pretty low. Um and Phase three, which is coming up in July, that's going to have like 
you can have like 75 people in one space. Yeah. So it's all about, in my opinion, like us locally in Rhode Island, two things, two things are important. Us getting through July without any setbacks um, where we don't have like a rise in cases where it freaks everybody out or, or, um, or and second after that, it's going to be interesting to see how like Gina Raimondo handles the borders, the people traveling into the state. Like you say, like, say like you're a kid from like Attleboro, who's a big music fan. Yeah. And you find out that like that Rhode Island got lucky and we're all like, we're all completely reopened and everything's fine in Rhode Island, but Massachusetts is still shutting live music down. Are you going to try to drive to Providence? Of course you are. So it's all about like, are we going to let people from like that area of Massachusetts come into our state? Are we going to let people from like Western Connecticut, like Eastern Connecticut come into our state? Um, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with that as well. Um, but I'm really, I'm real. I think by the end of the year, we'll at least from Rhode Island, we'll have live music coming back. Maybe not, maybe not in the bet and the big venues, but definitely in the smaller venues. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And especially, I mean, we're talking about musicians. We're talking about artists. We're talking about the most fucking scrappy motherfuckers in the world. Like, oh, yeah. You know, I, I grew up the majority of my life never going to a concert in a physical venue. Everything I grew up to was like Knights of Columbus basements, like parking lots. Uh, uh-huh. Cops shut down a show, and the arrogant sons of bitches went to the town center of Walton through Connecticut and played a gazebo. <laughs> and that's um, Jeff Rogan. You must know Jeff Rogan. He's uh, Jeff Rosenstock now. He's like, yeah. But that was his old ska band. Like, yes, yeah, you know, you're right. We were talking about, like, the most resourceful motherfuckers in the whole, like, planet Earth, like, musicians. Like, you just, yeah. you're not going to, it's the funniest thing I would have, um, was in a talking um, with uh, Benny from the Gaslight Anthem, and he was, like, we were joking around. It's like, man, all those years making fun of dudes on the guitar. Now it's, like, the perfect time to be a, du- a, a dude with an acoustic guitar. Because, yeah. like, a drummer, not as many people want to sit on YouTube and watch drum videos as much as you're going to want to watch, like, uh, yeah, for live streaming though, folk music is where it's at, you know. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm curious to see like what the unintended consequences of these things will be. The first, on the on the positive side, of, the, of, of just okay, you know, it's it's different. I, I, my theory is now like you know when we were kids, like our, if you look at the cell phone, my first cell phone to like the iPhone 11 I have now, completely different. So I'm thinking, like, oh yeah, I'm I'm wondering if like video calls like this, we're gonna look back we're like look how primitive that Zoom call was. Yeah, especially probably video quality. I mean, yep. I think for live streaming, I think that there's a future for it. I think, um, like, from what, I've, from what I've talked to a lot of musicians, because I've been covering live streaming ever since it became a thing this year. Um, I'm doing a lot, I've covered it a lot in my articles. The majority of musicians have said that they're, like, they're either, they've either, like, said, no, we were talking about doing this for the past couple of years. We never got around to doing it. All the musicians like, man, I wish I thought about doing this sooner. And and um and then and then there's a bunch of other musicians who are like, yeah, I kind of want to start to keep on doing this even when I start going on tour, because like then you can do like different things where like, oh hey, it's a musician's day off on a Monday, mm-hmm. why not you know why not do a do a paid Zoom call or something where you can pay for a little small a little cheap ticket to go see a video of, of them playing in their tour bus. Something like that, you know. That, so yeah, I think yeah. there is a future for it, especially with the, especially with the musicians being down to do it from the majority of one, ones I've talked to. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I just got this opportunity. I'm going to be doing some hosting stuff at this uh, site called See You Live, and they, um, I'll just say it's really cool. Like they, they, they like. Um, I, I I went to like an event they had done, and there was like I watched um, Galaxy Quest with myself and like a couple hundred other people. Like I watched Galaxy Quest with uh, Griffin Newman and. Uh, Paul Shear like did a showing and then like they it it was interesting so like they had the movie playing then you had them and then they had, like breaks and they can pull people on like it, it gave me like there's a lot of uh and I, and I had done like a, I got to do a demo and like talk to the CEO for a while and like to learn about like the people who think about this stuff more than I do outside of like a passe fan like there's a whole world of, of streaming that isn't being utilized and largely because um you know the powers that be like you know who are in charge but um yeah i guess there's gonna I, I'm, I'm curious to see what's gonna happen like you just out of the blue do you happen to watch the mandalorian i haven't seen it yet oh, i yeah, have yeah. i'm thinking i heard it's awesome i just haven't it's seen really it good. i don't have disney plus um so yeah so i'm probably gonna watch it through, through, through a friend or something sooner or later i'm what I'm, I'm horrible with like movies and like new oh. shows because yeah. like 
like like for example like the past like the the one show in the past like f- like five years that had me really hooked was mr robot and oh, that was only yeah. four seasons long so like other than that i have been really slacking when it comes to new movies and new tv shows well it makes sense if you're freelance you probably can't just sit on your couch and feel comfortable knowing like i could be working yeah yeah pretty much i mean i do have free time but i do other things in my free time yeah. i'll play video games like i did before we talked <laughs> like that elf episode that elf episode of mr robot still fucks with me oh yeah oh yeah it's crazy oh my such God. a good show i i miss that show such a great show interesting how it ended but i actually don't really think i show. saw the last season i was just thinking oh, that. the last season's nuts dude last season's freaking nuts it's so intense i've been really having a hard time watching new stuff i've been kind of in the same rut watching the same stuff or, or i feel like i'm watching less tv now because i've been yeah. my effort into more projects and so like trying to focus on more other things but yeah um oh man i'm trying to think is there anything that we missed that uh you, that you and i know i know you have a whole sports uh background this is your this show time. buddy this is yeah, your I'm not, show i'm not the sports person <laughs> for this i know like your facebook is it's all good right. yeah I, i'm more of like uh i know more about uh the music than than anything yeah. it, it's so cool i love to see especially at the beginning of this happening i, I thought it was like man what do people like you who write about live music are gonna do and it was cool to see someone like you like verbalize your struggles with the with our like with our like i don't know what you call it anymore like community because it's like it's not like we're a podcast community there's a radio co- like a media community i guess on, on it's a cre- i think it's a creatives community yeah you know, like yeah. It's something that's one thing that is really great about rhode island is that we have a lot of creative people here that you know that that do really cool stuff either what's visual art music podcasting or they're writers or they do poetry uh, i think it's a really great community we have here for that it it really it's like a dream you kind of forget how spoiled you are by it and and oh and thank you i'm sure i wanted to say this to me again like and thank you for you for anyone listening rob is the person if, I, if anyone happened to see um the write-up about let's about me and the let's chat in the uh, warwick beacon yeah, that was me sometimes and that was in a warwick beacon yeah yeah, that was that was your that was by you. Um, hey, hey, thank you. But like, so not only do we have, it's important that you need like the creative community, but you need like that supports. I don't want to say supports that the surrounding support industry to have like a media person. Like, um, there's it's something's been definitely it's bothered me for a while. Like, there's not enough publications like writing about podcasting as a whole on a national yeah. or local level, and like. And I've always been like, how do you do that? So it, it's nice, A, to see it happen. And do you, do you happen to know Elise from um, Providence Media or Providence Monthly, Elise Majeure? No, I do not, unfortunately. Oh I don't know. The, the only people I know at Providence Monthly is Adam Hogue, who's our music writer. Oh, and, so, yeah. I don't know him. My friend Brett was your first ever editor. But no yeah. way. I just did an yeah. interview with her the other night. I don't know if you, know, if you look at her, she's older. So she's like a secret hardcore kid. And that's oh, wow. how her and I became friends, like online. And she was like, and she grew up in Providence, and she was telling me about, like, she was telling these stories about, like, seeing all, like, the, like, all, like, she had this, it was just kind of blew my mind, because, like, she's, like, an adult and works for the monthly or whatever, and, like, has kids, and then she's very crafty, and just to hear her talking about, like, um, like, I don't know, I can't remember the bands at the top of my head, it was all from, like, the 80s, so I, I'm such a sucker for that, like, secret hardcore kids, who are like, what? And you always find, like, random celebrities, or, like, like Zach Roca was like a, a hardcore kid. Well, he's pretty famous. Um, there's yeah, a, he was an Inside Out. He was in a, He had a band called Inside Out before Rage started. Oh man, there's a, there's the guy a Master Chef Junior, I think. I don't know his name. But every so often you'll find like there's a celebrity who's like a like a secret hardcore kid, and I get super excited. Like yeah, what well, like what well, I look well, I know like it's not hardcore music, but like um like okay, you know Alton Brown? Yes. So like, did you know that he was involved in like one of R.E. in the making of one of R.E.M.'s videos? No. I think this is the one I love, or the one I love, or something like that, or like losing my religion. One of their bigger music videos he was involved with while he was going while he was going to school in Atlanta. Yeah. Oh my god. Crazy stuff, right? That's so nuts. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Like I'm trying to think who. Oh, like, oh, Fred Armisen. Like he's like I know he's like one of ours. Like we can claim him. Oh yeah, yeah. My um, my baby cousin, or not a baby now, but my cousin is um in an episode of Portlandia. Oh yeah, yeah. That's cool. My, so my cousin, her, her um, well, my cousin's mom, my my cousin. 
it's my cousin Sarah's son. So my cousin Sarah, when I was growing up, she was in a band called Unwound. Oh, you're probably one of the few people who would actually know who that is. Yeah. I know, she was man. the drummer for Unwound. And now she, okay. she, so she would tour like Slater Kenny, but like I was too young, but she was the one who got me into Scott. So, but that, that was like, yeah, but, um, yeah, she played it. And then her now, now her ex-husband, she, and she, her husband, or now her ex-husband, but she was married to uh, Aaron from Red Fang before they got famous and through that, that whole thing too. That was wow. funny. But, yeah. yeah he, same, he, funny. I can't do Funny thing. Like, same thing. He was like a biochemist and like he was like 40 and the band <laughs> took off. You know, it's like, wow. hope Crazy. for me. Right? <laughs> yeah. I remember like last time I saw her, I think probably like what, a funeral or something. She was like Oregon. But like we were talking and I was just asking her like how touring changes and like I think the last tour that she had gone on, she was doing drums with um, Karen Tucker from Slater Kenny and like they all brought their kids to like Japan. <laughs> Oh like, wow! Do you ever see that documentary, The Other F Word? No. That's all like the father. Yeah, I'm such a sucker for that stuff too. Like I love. Uh, yeah, that's all about like fatherhood, and I think the lead singer of Lost City of Angels. No, not I forget. I lost. Pro- so about the guy like letting to leave his band, but um, that was a really good doc. Uh, that was all. I just wanted to tell you some docs that I liked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, I feel like if we were in that same, like, behind the music, like, if I could find behind the music right now, I'd watch the shit out of it, or, like, True Life, or, like, that era of MTV yeah. news. Um, really good stuff. I want you, when we hang up, I think you're, you're, our goal is, like, uh, let's make a contest. Who can interview Kurt Loder first? <laughs> <laughs> and John Norris, who, who can we get? And Tabitha, to see who we can get. Or, oh, no, Jesse from I Want to Be a VJ. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or Gideon Yego. Um Oh, I liked him. <laughs> or Matt Penfield. He was my guy. Yep. Yeah, he he has a Facebook page. I know that. Um, yeah, he just showed Matt up Penfield. on like my people you may know. He's on Sirius. He does like a show on Sirius XM. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, through the like you know, as I'm sure you know too, like through the podcast, you meet like people who like through like. 10 degrees like facebook gets weird algorithms like for right now like a lot of people from less than jake are showing up on my facebook people you may know oh, that's funny which is cool it's like oh, you have one mutual friend i'm like in that friend isn't even someone i really know but <laughs> but yeah he for some reason matt pinfield popped on there the other day because we were both friends with stevens uh, steven smith from um i'm tired stevens i'm tired of rock show and i was like oh god i have like a personal rule like with booking i don't go through people's personal pages i just think that's not cool but yeah um, you know there's levels of that like stuff like want to be respectful but i know we said we're wrapping this up so um rob thank you again a for a writing a about podcasting and, and me specifically and our wonderful team which and, and it made a huge difference too for me but um you know you do you do damn good work about and Chris, you on the appreciate right side of things of um politically speaking which i also appreciate thanks chris appreciate yeah. it yeah, it's it's great. It, it's can't think it's it's wonderful. So um, where can people find you online and all of your work? Um, well, I'm on Facebook, Rob Dugay, last name D U G U A Y. Just do the at Rob Dugay when you do the search bar, and you'll find me. Um, same thing with Twitter. I have an Instagram account, but I haven't used it. It's kind of funny, Chris. I have like over 900 followers on Instagram, and I haven't made a post yet. Um. <laughs> Part of me wants like to wait till I get a thousand, but I'm on Instagram. It's not posting anything. Um, I might, I might do that next year when live music comes back. Us out there, like they're great. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, Twitter and uh, Twitter and Facebook—that's where you can find all my stuff. And LinkedIn, if you're on LinkedIn as well, I'm on there. We all are. Like my old portfolio is on LinkedIn. Yeah, like 95% of my like, work's on there. Oh, that's smart. Yeah, we're all on LinkedIn. We're like, why are we here? Does anyone use this? But you got to have it. No, I mean, I've, I made some connections. I've, I made some things, you know, like it's also, also when you're like some publications will ask for your LinkedIn profile. So that's good to know. Yeah, that that is, I'm starting to learn the ropes around this stuff. So that's good to know. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Start investing more in my LinkedIn. I don't know. Thanks so much. 